Good morning, Kettlebrook family. Troy and Ryan here want to welcome those of you who are watching this gathering virtually. We're excited for our gathering this morning as we gather together here in West Bend as well as in Jackson. And wherever you are watching this, we're encouraged by what God's doing in our midst. Now, that said, if you're watching online, there may be a number of reasons why you're watching online. Something that's near and dear to our hearts is to make sure that we know that the virtual gathering is never intended to replace the, the engagement that you are meant to have with brothers and sisters in Christ face to face. Mm. Yeah, Hebrews talks about the importance of, of gathering together. Jesus himself took on flesh and embodied mm. who God was. And so we wanna have an embodied faith. There's just something that happens that's mysterious but amazing when we gather together physically with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So with that, we ask that you would enjoy this gathering, uh, but we'd love to see you back in person as you're able. God bless. God bless. Good morning, Kettlebrook. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. My name is Stephanie Lather, and I'm part of a missional community here at Kettlebrook. I also serve in Rising Stars with the elementary age kiddos, which is awesome. Love to hear their perspective on the scriptures every week. Uh, so we're so glad that you're here this morning. If you are new or visiting with us, uh, we, as a vision, as a church, um, it is to be a family of followers of Jesus who help others follow Jesus. So what's really exciting this particular Sunday and at this point in our family right now is that we are both welcoming a team back from Columbia who was seeking to do this, um, to kind of live out this vision. Yep, <laughs> welcome home. We're so glad you're back. And we are also sending out a team to Chad, Africa on Wednesday to live out this vision uh, there. And so, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've been able to send teams out. So we are super encouraged and blessed and excited that God is opening these doors again for us. So Troy is teaching this morning. He might uh, give you a couple of tidbits from the Columbia team trip. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about this Chad team that we are sending out on Wednesday. So just a little bit of background, about two months ago, um, our partner in Chad Africa, Molly Croner, reached out to CARA and our REACH Global team with a need. So every year they gather with all the missionaries in Chad at a conference and there's some business that they take care of. It's also a time where they can just be refreshed and encouraged and be in community with one another, right? Like it's usually a time of great blessing for the missionaries. And part of that great blessing is that there's childcare. <laughs> Right? So, uh, but what happened is basically the child care fell through. And so a couple of months ago, Molly reached out to Kara and asked if we could help. And of course, we said yes. And the REACH Global team got to work pulling together a team of people, um, people who had traveled before, who were leaders here at Kettlebrook, who were willing to lean into ambiguity and um, unknowns, right, and just serve in whatever way possible. And so this team, uh, I think we, do we have a picture of the team? Awesome. There they are. So Sandy Fisher and Bridget File, Catherine Toby, and Steve Farina are going to be leaving on Wednesday. They'll be in Chad for 10 days. And they are going to be seeking to just love these missionary servants in Chad by taking care of their kiddos for the conference. So would you all uh, just join me in prayer for this team? Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves the nations. 
Lord, from the very beginning, you created us, Lord, to fill this world with your glory and with your goodness and with your grace and your love, Lord. Um, you have a desire, Lord, that people from every tongue, tribe, and nation would give you praise and worship. And Father, uh, we thank you for these missionary servants in Chad, Africa, Lord, who have said yes to your call on their lives. Lord, they have left everything uh, to go to this place and bring the good news of the gospel to uh, people who have never heard it before, uh, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would bless the ministries of each and every missionary in Chad, Africa, Lord that they would be your hands and feet, Lord, uh, doing your work and bringing your kingdom to come here on earth. Father, we thank you as a church that we have had this privilege of partnering with Eric and Molly and their family in Chad and getting these little glimpses, Lord, of you moving and working and bringing light into the darkness. Lord, thank you for that privilege, Lord. And now we have this privilege of being able to send this team to serve uh, the missionaries in Chad. And so we lift them up to you, Lord. I pray for Catherine and Bridget and Sandy and Steve. Lord, I pray that you would give them servant hearts, Lord. Um, they already have them. Uh, but I pray that it would just be supernatural in Chad, Lord, that they would have your eyes, Lord, that they would be filled with your compassion, Lord, that their feet would carry them to the places that you want them to go, Lord, and that as they love and bless and serve these kiddos, Lord, that they would give them a picture of your son Jesus, who said, let the little children come to me. So, Father, we pray that uh, their time would be fruitful, Lord. We pray that this would be a great blessing to the missionaries in Chad, Lord, and that also this team, Lord, would be blessed as well. Lord, that's how it works in your kingdom. And so we pray that you would be exalted in Chad as this team of servants humbly goes and submits themselves to you. Um, and to the work that you are doing in Chad. So we lift them up in your mighty name, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, thank you. So please keep them in your prayers. As I said, they leave Wednesday, and they'll be gone for 10 days. Uh, so pray that God will bless their time there. So the next exciting thing I get to share with you is that Kettlebrook is once again hosting the Perspectives class. Uh, and uh, you're all invited to be part of it which is amazing. Actually, a lot of you have already been part of it. Um, we have over 100 people at Kettlebrook who have participated in the Perspectives class, and, but we want more. And so uh, before I say anything else about that, I'm gonna let uh, this video tell you a little bit about the class. From Hollywood to Kathmandu, from Wall Street to Morocco, you felt the call to serve the nations, yet have little idea how to live that out. You long to run with greater purpose, but wrestle with how to integrate church life with everyday life. How many never realize their fullness in the workplace? How many let the cry of the nations go unanswered? How many settle for less than their destiny? What is the world missing without you thriving in your purpose? The harvest is great, but workers are coming. It's time, time to be awakened, realigned, transformed, ruined for the ordinary and ignited to God's purpose. Perspectives is a dynamic weekly course that empowers God's people to strategically partner with Him in accomplishing His timeless missional purpose around the globe. For over 40 years, Perspectives has had a far-reaching effect on believers, mission agencies, and churches with over 250,000 alumni 
Today, that passion continues in your generation. This is the hour for the body of Christ to step into a strategic partnership to see God's glory among all peoples. Perspectives engages and equips believers through four main vantage points, biblical, historical, cultural, and strategic. You will experience 15 different instructors over a 15-week period, covering the content of articles written by over 150 scholars and practitioners from diverse backgrounds. In these divine moments, key men, women, and even entire generations have risked everything because they've caught a glimpse of God's promise fulfilled and have pressed forward to see it realized in their own day. Join us, not in making history, but fulfilling history. Visit perspectives.org to join a class near you or online. All right, so Kettlebrook will be hosting our Perspectives class on Wednesday nights starting January 19th, and it runs through May. Um, you can register at perspectives.org starting anytime. Um, you can go home and do it today, and there are a lot of discounts available to you. Um, there's an early bird discount if you register before December 19th. If you're a student, there's another discount for you, and if you uh, are an engaged Kettlebrooker and complete the, the class, at the end, you'll get a $100 reimbursement. So, um, oh, and there's a family discount. So if you want to take it as a family, we got discounts everywhere um, because we believe in this class and we want to make it available for all of you. Um, when Cara, well, we were talking with Cara about registering our own girls for the class and uh, Cara said, we're basically going to pay them to take the class, um, which isn't entirely true, but the discounts are amazing and the class is amazing. It'll change your perspective, change your life. So we encourage you to sign up. Okay, so as we transition into music worship, I'm just going to pray for our time together. Would you join me again? Lord, you are good, and we are so grateful for your love and your grace that abounds in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would fill us up this morning, that we might be poured out for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. Father, we're going to be talking about stewardship this morning, and uh, we thank you that you are a God who loves so generously, Lord, who stewards perfectly. Father, you have held, withheld nothing from us, not even your only son, and so I pray that as we receive your grace and your love anew each day, Lord, that you would empower us to be people who would give away that love and that grace. So we pray, Father, that you would give us, uh, as you promised your prophet Ezekiel, hearts of flesh, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, when we have hearts of stone, Lord, when we're constantly thinking about um, me and worrying about me and taking care of me, God, it hardens our hearts. Um, and so we pray that you would be faithful, Lord, to give us new hearts, hearts of flesh, Lord, um, hearts that beat in time with yours, Lord, for the nations and for our neighborhoods. God, I thank you for Dave and Rebecca who live in Chicago now and are seeking to love and serve the Muslims there. Um, we pray, Father, that you would give them opportunities every day uh, to share your love with the people around them. Pray that you would give them wisdom as they continue overseeing um, church planting in Southeast Asia. Lord, you are moving and you are working in this world. And we thank you for these servants of yours, Lord, who are stepping into that. And pray that you would bless their ministry. God, we give you uh, these next few moments, Lord, and ask that you would just give us hearts that could hear from you, that could be changed by you, Lord, that we might be used for your purposes and your glory. 
And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, family. Uh, before we start off with some music worship today, I'd just like to read from uh, Psalm 113. Uh, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like our Lord God? Who is like the Lord our God? Uh, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Uh, Father, we just come before you today uh, just thanking you that you have lifted us um, from that person who is poor of spirit, God, because we know that being poor of spirit means that we don't know you. And Father, your heart is for us. Your heart is for every single person on this planet to no longer be poor, but to be rich in you, to have your Holy Spirit, to know you, and to uh, be seated with your Son, Jesus Christ, as, um, as we are your children, and we have a place with your Son, Jesus Christ, and that is, um, that is, the, that is the point, that is the purpose, God. And we thank you so much as we walk into this week of Thanksgiving that we get to hold on to that name, that we are chosen, that we are children of God. And God, I just pray that in the message today and in through our worship, we are lifting your name high as you are holy, Father. And I just pray that our hearts would be open to receive the message that you have for us and how we are to walk forward in your kingdom, God. Thank you. We lift your name high today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Please stand and join us.
Father, you are great. We want to pour out our praise to you with not just our words, but with our hearts today. Help us to be in a place where that is the state of our mind, where our eyes are fixed on your son, Jesus, where we are led by your spirit together as a family this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, everyone. My name is Troy. I'm one of the leaders here. I want to welcome you. I want to also send greetings um, from Medellin, Colombia. Tom and Jen Atwater and the team there. Uh, our team just got back in late Friday night. We had eight days, eight amazing days to see and experience what God was doing there and serve their team. It was a huge privilege. So if you uh, know one of the team members or you want to grab one of the team members, want to just encourage you to do that because there are a lot of stories that we have to share about what God is doing there and how we were be able to be blessed uh, by being there. So uh, one of the things that we do when we send teams globally is that in order to be present for one another, in order to be present uh, for the teams that we're there serving, is that we just, uh, phones are off. Like, phones are away. So I was completely unplugged for those eight days to be present. But I also knew that I had to teach this morning. And so I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the flight from uh, Bogota to Atlanta, which is a four and a half hour flight, and I'm going to really get my thoughts down on paper and do some kind of reflecting and, and writing. And uh, I was really banking on that. And so I, I go to get my seat, 29B, and I sit down, and of course, uh, there's someone else sitting next to me, right? And he's wearing a Vietnam's vet hat. And so I, I turn to him and I say, hey, thank you so much for serving you know, what's your name? And, and so uh, I get to talk and ask him a bunch of questions. And um, four and a half hours later, I uh, never opened my backpack, uh, never got my laptop out. Uh, I'm pretty sure that no one had ever listened to him for four and a half hours before. Our necks actually started to hurt because mine was like this and his was like this. But uh, got to, he just shared um, for the, almost that entire time, got to hear his past, his present, his future. It was a huge privilege and honor. Once in a while, he told me he was an agnostic. Uh, once in a while, uh, he, allowed, he allowed me to sprinkle in some things that I just found completely amazing and transforming that I've learned from Jesus. So we had this beautiful conversation. But um, all that to say, so I didn't have as much time to prepare this morning's message than I typically do. But... Uh, because we got back late Friday night, but I'm confident that God had me in 29B for a reason, and I'm confident that he'll give me what I need to share with you this morning as well. And one of the things I was able actually, actually able to share, we were talking about um, the, the next section of his life. He's retired, and, and kind of his legacy, and what, what would that maybe look like? And so as, we were, as, we, as I was listening, I was actually able to share with him a story that I want to share with you, and it was, uh, it's about a brilliant Swedish chemist. It was about 130 years ago. This brilliant Swedish chemist lived, and he invented 355 different things. Can someone say that's a lot? That's a lot. I haven't invented, I haven't invented anything. I haven't invented one thing. This guy invented 355 uh, different things. But anyway, this, some of these inventions helped him to grow, to become a very wealthy man. But one day, he gets up for his kind of morning routine. I think it was April 15th, 1888. And he probably gets, maybe gets some coffee. He grabs the newspaper. And this man opens up the newspaper. And if I told you he was a little perplexed by what he read on the front page, I think it would be an understatement because he was reading his own obituary. 
Would that startle you? If you, you, you here's the paper, and your obituary is, is on the front page. Okay, it kind of reminds me of the old Monty Python bit. I'm not dead yet. I feel happy. Uh, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Anyway, the journalist who wrote this obituary had mistaken him for his brother, who had actually tragically died from a brain hemorrhage. Okay? But it wasn't just that he was reading his own obituary that I think probably struck him. It was that the obituary wasn't very flattering. Okay? Here is what it said. It was on the front page of Le Figaro, which is a French newspaper, and it said this, a man who cannot pass very easily as a benefactor of humanity died yesterday in Cannes. Would you like that to be your obituary? That's not very flattering, is it? Some believe that this premature obituary might have motivated this brilliant chemist to make some changes and change his priorities to make sure that his real obituary would read differently than this, that he would leave a different legacy behind. And he did. He left a very different legacy behind. If you passed away today, what would your obituary say? If you died today, what kind of legacy would you be known for? Would you be encouraged by what is written in your obituary? Perhaps it's an activity you should just go through. Is writing your own obituary today. Would you be motivated if you did that to perhaps tweak some things and maybe leave behind a different legacy than you maybe have to this point. This morning, my prayer is that you will be as inspired by the scriptures we're going to read as I have been. Because we're going to be inspired by a group of followers of Jesus who left behind an amazing legacy. Okay? To do that, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. So I would invite you to grab a Bible. There's Bibles underneath your chairs. Pull one of those babies out of there. We're going to be in, on page 820. I, we're going to have it on the screen, but I strongly encourage you to open with me and follow along with the page in front of you. Second uh, Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 8. Now, to give you a little context, if you're not familiar with what Corinthians, the letters are, it kind of goes like this. In this letter, Paul's interacting with a church that we know from Acts 18 that he had planted there. And he had uh, left, and we find out in 1 Corinthians that some things had went a little sideways in the church in Corinth. And so Paul wrote a letter to them to kind of make some correction to them from afar after he had left. We also learn in this letter, 2 Corinthians, that he actually, after that, he went there and made it what was called a painful visit. It was a little bit of kind of like come to Jesus meeting with some of the followers of Christ there. It was, a, it was kind of a hard time, but he had to kind of say, hey, we got to talk about these hard things. And so he did that, and thankfully most of the followers of Christ repented in that context. And he then later wrote this letter, which is another letter that kind of, he really wants to go back to the basics, circle back around and talk about the radical upside-down gospel that was originally shared with them. And how in the kingdom of God, things like humility and suffering and poverty are, are, are amazing things because that is the upside-downness of the King Jesus that we follow, who was humbled, he humbled himself, who suffered, and who made himself poor. And so, as he writes here to the, to the Corinthians, here's what happens. 
In chapter 8, he's going to reference something called a collection. And the collection was brought up in the past. The followers of Jesus in, down in Jerusalem, this is going to be kind of far away from where they're at in, in Corinth. The followers of Jesus in Jerusalem were enduring a famine, and things were not good. And so he's basically saying, hey, Jews, Gentiles who follow Jesus, all of you, let's, let's help them out because they're really going through a rough time. And so he writes to the Corinthians and encourages them to be generous with what they've been given. I want to look at how he does that with you in chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. So why don't we stand as we read God's word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to pray, then we'll read. Father, I, I am encouraged by these words. I pray I wouldn't be the only one in the room so encouraged and inspired by these words, by the legacy of the Macedonian believers. Uh, Father, may your word not return void today. May your spirit guide us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Paul writes, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. And so we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need." Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. This is God's word. Go ahead and have a seat. So we're going to do a little uh, turn and talk to something that we do. If you're new, we're just going to have you process through what we just read just for a couple of minutes yourself before we dive into it. If you see someone sitting by themselves, please bring them in to the family and have this conversation just for two minutes. Here's what I'd like to do. I want you to read just the first chunk again. Uh, Nathan, on the next slide. Uh, I just want you to read this first chunk and ask the question, what is the legacy of the Macedonian churches based on these five verses? So just talk about that for a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back and dig in together.
All right, help me out. What is the legacy of the Macedonian churches? What do you, what did you see? Generosity, yeah, what, what else do you see? Say that again. Joy, joy. I was like, yeah, I'm right here. Right. I thought you were saying Troy, okay. Joy, they had joy, yeah, what else? What else do we see? Huh? I, I, surrendered? Yeah. They were faithful? What else? There was a lot of grace? Yeah. Is this a cool legacy? I mean, this is a cool legacy. I, I'm, just, I'm just struck by it. My kids were like, so dad, why, why did you schedule yourself? You, you determined the preaching calendar. Why did you schedule yourself to preach this message when you had like zero time to prep? Uncle Ryan could have came up from Jackson. He's preaching the same thing. I was like, I just want to teach this scripture. Because it's so encouraging to me. Even if I'm not ready, it's okay. This is so encouraging to me. The Macedonian followers of Jesus are radically generous. They're uh, what Christian Navalis would call ridiculously generous. Ridiculous. Okay? Just amazingly generous. And they left a legacy of generosity. And Paul points the Corinthians to them as an example, okay? In fact, what we see here in this text is that Paul does not command them to be generous. He commends them. Okay, he doesn't command them to be generous. He commends them. He commends them first to the Macedonians, then he commends them second to Christ himself. We're going to walk through those two things. Paul commending them to the, the Macedonians, and then number two, commending them to Christ himself. So let's look first at how he commends them to the Macedonian churches. The Macedonian churches, if you're wondering kind of context, of, i got a map here of, 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 of what we believe the Macedonian churches were. It's at least Philippi and Thessalonica, perhaps Berea was in there as, uh, as well. And as had been mentioned earlier, there was a collection that was being taken for the followers of Jesus down in Jerusalem, which is obviously quite a ways away. They had started it, and now he's saying, hey, let's, let's finish this thing up. You can't Venmo money back then, okay? So, like, you had to literally, like, go collect it and then, like, take it back. And it would have taken a long time. So, this thing, let's finish this up. They're in need. Let's go down there and, and give it to them. Um, and, and as we talk through this text, I want to be sure, I always want to be careful. When we look at texts that are what I call descriptive texts, I just want to acknowledge that's what it is. So what we're reading is what's describing what happened. It, it's not prescribing here is what everyone has to do in every situation. And yet I think there is a ton that we need to glean, learn, and steal from this scripture because there's a lot worth emulating here. So he commends them first to the Macedonians. What can we learn about the Macedonians? Uh, let's look at it more closely again. Number one, they gave in spite of being afflicted. Okay? They gave in spite of being afflicted. They were being persecuted. In the Roman Empire, uh, there was a pagan faith, okay? And so now these were new, there was like this new religion. They were followers of the way, Jesus. And so, for example, let's say you had a little business up in these cities, and all of a sudden you stopped burning incense to Caesar and doing some of those things that was typically expected, perhaps some of your customers might take their business elsewhere, okay? So they were navigating some of that persecution. Some of you may even experience some of that in your own business today um, if you are a known Christian. You might see some of that. So, but they're giving in spite of being afflicted. Number two, they gave in spite of deep, deep poverty. Okay, so this isn't, what, this isn't about uh, them giving kind of what's left over here. They're giving in spite of deep poverty. 
Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, Mark recounts this narrative of Jesus going outside where the temple treasury was. And he actually, it says he actually sat down and he was kind of like watching people go to the temple treasury and give money. And, and it, it tells there were some people who were very wealthy and they came up and, and kind of like put a whole bunch of money in there. And then there was this, this one widow who comes up and she's got two little copper pennies, less, or copper coins, less than a penny's worth. And she puts them in there. Jesus calls his disciples, like, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. This widow has given more than the others because she has given out of not her wealth, but her poverty. She's given really everything that she had. So, so here they are, living this out, giving in spite of deep poverty. Number three, they gave in spite, uh, or according to their ability. So it wasn't about an amount of money. It was about how are they able to give, and they gave according to their ability. When uh, Steph and I sit down in December and January, we process through our, our budget for the year. We, we aren't typically processing through dollar amounts that we would like to be generous with. We're talking about percentages. And we say, how do we give according to our ability, and how do we, our goal as a family is to increase the percentage that we give away, regardless of how much we've been given in that year. It's like, let's increase the percentage that we give away every year. We want to give according to our ability. Number four, they gave beyond their ability. I'm just going to leave it at that. They're just giving sacrificially, which I know may sound crazy. It's like, well, wouldn't you then not have enough? Doesn't seem to be the case because God always provides. Number five, they gave of their own accord. And this one's huge. This means that they were not under compulsion to give. This isn't the Old Testament tithe. Paul was a Jewish rabbi by training, so he would have known the difference. This isn't about the Old Testament tithe. The tithing in the Old Testament was an obligation because there were 12 tribes of Israel, and when God brought his people into the land, he said, I'm going to give you all chunks of land, except one group, one tribe, was called the Levites, and their job is to take care of the temple or to take care of the tabernacle, the area where God's presence was manifested. And so what I need you to do is I need you to all chip in 10%, and that's not like a, that's like a tax. Like it's, a, it's a law. It's obligation. You had to do that. That's not what Paul is talking about here at all. In fact, just a few verses later, Paul reiterates this again twice. In this next slide, I think I got it on here, Nathan. 2 Corinthians 8, 12 says this. We read it. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he doesn't have. And if you went to the next chapter, he reiterates it again. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But even in the Old Testament, when the tithe thing was going on, God's desire was actually the same. He didn't want to command his people to generosity. He wanted to commend them to generosity. What we find in the book of Exodus is Moses has this burning bush experience, and he's told to go back and get his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so he goes back to Pharaoh. There's ten plagues. Some of you know the story. And, and he brings people out of Egypt, and then boom, Red Sea, parts of Red Sea, goes to Mount Sinai. And shortly after the Ten Commandments they receive, God asks his people, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you build like a tabernacle where my presence is going to dwell in the middle of your community. Because I'm the center place of who we are as a community. And I need you to take up an offering to kind of make those things happen. And these are like nomads. They had come out of Egypt. He's like, I just want you to take an offering amongst what people have, and we'll make this thing happen, okay? But when he asks, here's how God asks. This next slide. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man. Can you read this with me? Whose heart prompts him to give? 
okay, whose heart prompts him to give. And then if you were to watch the actual offering unfold, here's what we find in this next slide. This is in Exodus 35. Here's what happens. And everyone who, what's it say? Who was willing and whose heart moved him, okay, came and brought an offering to the Lord. That's verse 21. In 22, it says, all who were willing. 26, all who were willing. 29, uh, many women who were willing brought this to the Lord. This is what happened. And then when it all was finished, or, or it wasn't even finished, here's what happens in the next chapter. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work that the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offer. Here's an order. You can't give any more. Stop. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Isn't that awesome? This is, this is what was happening. And it's very similar to what we see here in the Macedonian churches. Paul is commending them. They, so much so, he's almost like, man, I wonder if we've got to restrain these people from giving. So number six. Number six. Next slide, I think. They begged. They begged to be a part of the mission and the ministry. It says more literally in verse 4, it says, begging us with very much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. They were begging to be a part of this, to serve this brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. You know, how many of you, raise your hand if you've been to a wedding and you've heard, Love is patient, love is kind, love is... You've heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard those words, right? You've all heard that, because that's a very typical wedding passage. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, doesn't boast, doesn't keep record of wrongs, all those things. The sentence, the sentence before love is patient, it, it, it says this, it says... I don't think I have this on a slide, Nathan. It says, if I give all that I possess to the poor... And have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, you can give everything that you have away, all your, all your money, whatever, if you don't do it in a, in a way that's motivated by love, Paul's like, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. Okay, it's missing the mark. And, and let's be very clear, if you're really honest, when we give, when we give to anything, we oftentimes do so so that we will feel better about ourselves. Come on now. We're like, that feels good. And the secular research, the scientific research of the brain proves that to be true. Okay? Psychologist Liz Dunn at the University of British Columbia led a study in which participants were given a small sum of money. And then they had the choice to either give that money away or to keep it. To nobody's surprise who was doing the research, they found that the more money people gave away, the happier they felt. Conversely, the more money people kept for themselves, the more higher levels of cortisol they actually found in their bodies and in their brains. Okay? Cortisol is not a good thing. They did an experiment analyzing, that's, that's not always true, but cortisol, for the most part, is not something we want. They did an experiment analyzing three different parts of the brain during this generous activity, and here's bottom line what they found. Generous givers of time and money suffer less uh, from stress, depression, have overall better heart health, better immune systems, and live longer. So here's the deal. Giving and being generous is good for you. 
Okay? However, if, you are, if you're motivated to give because it will make you feel better, do you see the irony? A little bit of hypocrisy in that? Paul's like, this is not. You can give everything you have away. If you don't have love, you gain nothing. And Jesus highlights this concept, too, with a very simple phrase he makes. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I want to give you a very practical example of how this plays out. Uh, anybody ever done fantasy football league? Just raise your hand. You don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed. Okay, anyone ever done? I've done it, okay. I know from some of you that you've gotten into fantasy football leagues and you have you care zero about football. Some of you are like, how many periods are there? It's like, okay, it's, not, it's hockey, okay? Or, or you're maybe, you maybe get, you get roped into a March Madness bracket, even though you're like, I don't know anything. I haven't watched a single college basketball game the entire year. But someone says, hey, we're doing this pool, or we're doing this fantasy football league. Let's just throw 20 bucks in, okay? We'll just throw 20 bucks in. and you Now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, catch the football. What is wrong with you? I don't even know your name, but you need to catch it. Right? Because your heart just followed your treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When Eric and Molly, in, in Chad, uh, if you guys are watching, we love you. When, when Eric and Molly ask for something, you better get in line. You better get in line, because it's going to be given faster than you're going to be able to get there to give it. Kara sent out a, an email to help us uh, settle, do some work for the Afghan family that we, we've helped to resettle here in, in the city. And I, had, I was in a meeting or two. I didn't get a chance to look at the email for like two hours. I opened it up. It was like, boom, it was, the whole thing was filled. She's like, sorry, everybody. It's already full. It, you know, and... and so, so when it comes to, for example, and, and I'm not even talking this morning about giving to, to Kettlebrook, okay? But here's the thing. It, if you believe in the mission and the ministry, I, I don't, I don't want to ask you for money to get behind what we're doing. I actually am looking for you to be asking me. Hey, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of seeing people come to understand family because they've been redeemed by Christ and now they're sons and daughters of the King. We want to learn what it's like to help others follow Jesus in every day and help others follow Jesus. We want you to be so encouraged by the fact that in general the American church gives less than a tenth of a penny per dollar, if you would, to the unreached people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. And we're at like 20% of our budget does that. 20%. Not to mention the local ministries that we're seeking to serve through our REACH local team, our benevolence fund, and all the things that God is blessing us with in, in this. I, I'm, I'm not asking you to give. I, I'm actually, I'm, just, I'm always just really encouraged because people will ask me, how do we be a part of what's going on here? This was the legacy of, of generosity of the Macedonian churches. And by the way, we're not even done yet. For the sake of time, I'm just going to throw the last three up there. Uh, they gave beyond what was expected. They gave themselves first to God, okay, to the Lord first, and then they gave themselves to their brothers. This is a legacy of generosity. Can I get an amen? Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Some of you are like, oh, this is the old give money message, okay? 
there's actually a good chance that some of you have invited some of your friends, your neighbors, or your family here today, and they're here for the first time. And you're like, dang it. There's people, there's new people here every Sunday, so there's a, I'm like positive that some of you are for the first time today. And you're like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. So all they do is talk about money. I just need you to know, if you brought that friend, neighbor, family member, or if you are that friend, neighbor, family member, that is not the case. This is Thanksgiving week. I just wanted to be, I just want to say thank you. I just wanted to say thank you because I am so thankful. Kettlebrook, we have Macedonian believers among us. I don't know who you are because I don't know anyone, anyone gives except my own family and the elders. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. But I know that some of you must be Macedonian believers, not just financially, but I know some of you in terms of giving your lives for the sake of the gospel, you overwhelm me with the way that you live. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. We have not taught on stewardship, I looked, for three years. I haven't brought this up for three years. Maybe, maybe that's poor teaching. I don't know, maybe you need to know more about generosity and giving, but I don't we don't even tell you where the, we don't take an offering after COVID anymore. We even tell you where to put it. People come like, hey, do you do an offering here? Yeah, it's in a box, I guess. It's back there. I'm sorry. If you're new, the box is there. I, we don't even talk about it anymore. I am working through this text because I'm so encouraged and I'm so thankful. You, some of you overwhelm me because you're living lives like the Macedonian believers. So I just want to say thank you. In fact, I did, I ran the numbers, I ran some numbers on this, and I was trying to put together a chart or a graph to reflect why is this the case? What is really going on behind all this that we've probably never been more blessed financially than we are right now? And so I ran the numbers, I put together a chart, and I wanted to show it to you. Here it is. Amen? Amen. Paul commends first the Corinthian church to the Macedonians, but secondly and more importantly, he commends them to Jesus Christ himself. Here is what he writes. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Amen? And, and, and family, just make sure you understand, this is not the prosperity gospel. I just want to make sure we get that clear. I've had people try to like tell me this means that God, God's all about you getting loaded, okay? You can't read this text in the context and come to that conclusion at all. You just can't. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ emptied himself completely, made himself nothing, so that we who submit ourselves and our lives to him could be redeemed from the sins that keep us from the richness of God the Father and his kingdom, now and forever. So that we could be, we could be restored as sons and daughters. So that we could be empowered by the Spirit, sent out as ambassadors, and live our entire lives in a radically, ridiculously generous way. That we could live our lives in a way that would leave us a legacy of generosity. Can I get an amen? We'd be generous. 
And so maybe just a quick self-assessment. Something I do with guys that I disciple in my own life is, um, and I have a tool for this if you really, if you really want to go through it with me. I'm not printing it off because I'm, I'm, I don't want to make you think you should go through it. But I typically go through this assessment, a, a shape that I made and try to process through just a couple questions around like, hey, of all that you have been given in terms of your time, your talents, and your treasures, how much of that do you spend on yourself and your own family versus how much do you you give away. It's a very simple process, something I think I, I maybe encourage you to reflect on. You can tell by your, your bank statements, your checking accounts or whatever, and, and, and your calendars. The late um, Professor Ernest Best put it well when he wrote these words. He says, Paul does not spell it out here, for he only wants to set before us the example of Christ, not to win our money by the hope of reward, even spiritual reward. The final standing of our, standard of our giving is not to be the result of a careful calculation of how much will be left when we have given, nor ought we to be thinking of how much we will receive from others should we fall into need. The only standard is the love of Christ. In light of that, can we hold anything back? Which brings us back to where we started. With our brilliant Swedish chemist, some believe that after reading his obituary, perhaps something clicked in his mind. Perhaps he wanted to rewrite his obituary and make sure that it wouldn't say, a man who cannot pass very easily as a benefactor of humanity. Now the reason that this was said about this man was because of his 355 inventions, one of them was dynamite. And dynamite, since it had been invented, had not always been used to be a benefit to humanity. He was actually a pacifist and had no idea that his invention was going to be as destructive and deadly as it turned out to be. And so in his will, this wealthy, brilliant Swedish chemist gave very clear instructions that his large fortune would not primarily be spent on his family, but instead would be distributed for five prizes that would go to people who, in his words, I've got a slide of it here, conferred the greatest benefit on mankind. His name was Alfred Nobel. Have you heard of him? Do you think that perhaps his obituary should be a man who cannot pass very easily as a benefactor of humanity? Probably not. He is now known for this amazing legacy of getting behind so many people who are conferring the greatest benefit on mankind. And yet, there is even a better legacy than Nobel's. There is an even better prize than the Nobel Prize. Because Jesus Christ came to confer the greatest benefit on humanity. That's why Jesus came. Amen? He came that though he was rich, yet for your sake and my sake... He became poor so that you and I, through his poverty, might become rich. That we, as poor, pitiful sinners, might be given his righteousness, his perfection. He was separated from the, from the Father so that we could be reunited with the Father. Family, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. for a reason. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse for a reason. 
putting our faith in Jesus Christ, humbling ourselves before him, submitting our lives to him, we can receive an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. We are given a seat in the heavenly realms as heirs of the Father and co-heirs with Christ. We are his beloved sons and daughters, and then we can live our lives out with radical generosity, living, leaving a legacy of generosity. Family, I commend you to Christ. I commend you to Christ, who gave himself completely for us. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask that you would inspire us, not only through the Macedonian followers of Jesus, but primarily and ultimately through Jesus Christ himself, that we would, we would just be people who would be radically, ridiculously generous with what we've been given to those in need, to wherever your hearts draw us and pull us, Lord, for your sake, to confer benefit upon uh, the others that you've made in your image. Father, I am so grateful that there are many Macedonian believers among us who just, just give of themselves. I pray you would continue to um, spur one another on to faith and good deeds in that way and that it would all only come out of a heart of gratitude because of what you've given us. We have a whole week of just being thankful, Lord, here. Help us to focus on that and focus on the one that we should be thankful to. It's you. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm going to give you just a couple minutes. I want you to turn and talk and look at, um, I got a couple, three questions up here. You can pick any one of them and just turn and talk through a question that maybe sticks out to you for two or three minutes. We're going to sing again and then close us.
great. It's awesome to hear uh, everybody engaging with um, the text today and the questions. Um, we just pray that, um, that the Lord has spoke something to your heart this morning. Um, if you will just join us in prayer before we uh, get into music worship. Uh, Father, thank you. Just um, thank you for the time that we get to spend here together as a family. Uh, thank you for your word that teaches us and commends us back to Christ. Um, Father, there are lots of things that we can choose to spend our time and our finances um, on, and we just pray that, um, that you would just move in our hearts um, to have those things just be directed to you um, in whatever way that, that, that you see fit and, and what that looks like in our life. God, so we just pray that um, in our lives, that we're stewarding everything to your glory, God, that uh, your will be done, not ours, as we just aim to have our lives pointed to you, as we bless your name with our lives, God, because you have uh, given us the most, the most beautiful blessing, um, which is your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, so, Father, we just lift your name up again uh, this morning as we uh, worship you. Um, thank you for your presence in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, please stand and worship with us. Glory at the throne, my heart. 
just a couple slides the as we go fourth slide could you bring it up um, that one right there that's this, this is a benediction for us today um, the team has another song if you want to stay and sing with them that you to totally can I also need to let those of you who are parents uh, go get uh, Lord of the Flies over there so um, <laughs> but this is this is our benediction uh, as we go forth God and Father lead us daily in the fight that all the world might see your glory and your name be lifted high. May we do that, family, as we live lives of generosity, a legacy of generosity. Uh, if you need prayer, we'd love to, if you want prayer, we'd love to pray for you. I have our team come up front here after the gathering. And if you want to stay and sing another song, you can. If you've got children, let's go get those uh, out of children's ministry. So God bless you. Thanks so much. Yes.
joining a group maybe that is serving in some way but some way in a family of faith near you taking a step beyond the virtual gathering yeah what we read in scripture is that the body is meant to build one another up into the fullness and maturity of christ and that cannot happen really alone we don't find uh, lone wolf christians if you would in the new testament and so we would so strongly encourage you to engage in your local faith community where you are or here in the body at kettlebrook church we'd love to have you take a next step in that way so God bless and hope to see you soon. God bless. As I worship your